KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. New Jersey has been hit hard by the coronavirus. It ranks second behind New York. When we made this podcast, the state had already recorded more than 9,700 deaths. North Jersey has borne the brunt of this pandemic, but the tragic aftermath is now filtering down to South Jersey. Funeral homes in North Jersey have been overwhelmed with the bodies of people who have died from COVID-19, and so they are shipping them south. Nick Wren is a funeral director in South Jersey. He works at the Leroy P. Worcester Funeral Home in Echo, and he's also affiliated with the Sweeney Funeral Homes in Riverside and Beverly. We spoke to Nick back in February about how the opioid crisis had changed the funeral business. And we've been thinking about him during the pandemic, and we were wondering how his business has been affected and how he's doing. When we spoke to you last time, you told us you've been in the funeral business since the 80s, which means, you know, you've seen the AIDS epidemic and you've been dealing with the opioid crisis. But I'm wondering if you've ever seen anything like this. No, not in my life. Um, I guess I've reflected on, um, you know, the fact that we really haven't seen an epidemic like this. And although we've had the swine flu, it didn't affect my life. I vaguely remember it. I guess I was young during the time when it originally uh, sort of came about, and it really didn't have any effect on me, or I really didn't have much knowledge of it. But this is the first time I've really experienced um, a pandemic of this sort. Can you tell me a little bit how this has affected your business? Well, it's um, interesting that uh, working with the funeral home that I am working with right now, with Leroy P. Wooster, he's been a very good friend of mine for many years, and uh, Recently, he needed some help, so I've gone on to a part-time basis with him, uh, helping. It happened to be coincidental that uh, I came on right before this pandemic really struck our area. And it uh, it's really, I've never seen anything like it. Um, the amount of deaths that we have right now um, is just phenomenal. And uh, the funeral home has a crematory um, which is one of the few funeral homes in the state that's grandfathered to have a crematory. And the crematory is nonstop. It's been to the point where yesterday at the end of the day, uh, which was around 7 o'clock for us, um, the crematory was still running, and the owner had stated that he had completed his 12th cremation for the day. Wow. How many, um, can you give us an idea when you said you've never seen anything like this, what are you talking about, I guess, on a daily basis when you're talking about deaths from COVID-19? I mean, we're seeing, um, in, in the beginning of this, I was seeing possibly three to four cases per week at one one location. Uh, now, I mean, it, it's not unusual to get three cases in one day. And I know you said you were, you know, you have the crematorium running all day. Are you Are you getting bodies from other parts of the state? Yes, actually, the um, initially what happened was um, one one of the funeral services in the northern part of the state in the Bergen County region reached out to the crematory and asked if they could start bringing their cremations there. 
And the reason was because the crematories in the northern part of the state, New York, uh, were so basically backing up, uh, they couldn't handle the number of calls that they had. So the uh, service was actually bringing um, anywhere from, usually they would take one trip with six um, cases, uh, six deceased individuals uh, down at a time. And when you think about it, it's a, it's a little more than a two-hour ride to and from. Uh, so you're talking about a four-hour trip, but there was, you know, they had no other option. May I ask how they're transporting that many bodies for two hours to, to different to different funeral homes? They're fortunately they're they're set up so their vehicles, their vans, uh, basically double levels. Uh, everyone is um, in a cardboard cremation casket uh, at the very least. Some families are using regular wooden caskets, but for the most, uh, we're seeing mostly cardboard cremation caskets, and they're uh, lining up three on the lower level, and then they have basically like a shelf in this large van that holds the uh, the next three. Can you walk me through your day a little bit? When do you when do you begin? What does your day look like now? And when do you end? Um, well, when I, I arrive at the funeral home, and once again, I'm working on a part-time basis because of some health issues that I had at the end of the year. So um, I'm not in a full-time schedule. But when I come in, I basically uh, enter the funeral home, enter into the, the one of the crematory areas. There's three areas where they have what's referred to as a retort. Uh, two are in a separate building. One is adjacent to the funeral home. I come into the retort area where uh, usually anywhere from one to two to possibly three deceased are waiting to be cremated. I then enter into the funeral home area. We're in that area uh, in what we used to use as a basically an access room where we kept our stretchers and equipment. Uh, we'll have anywhere up to four people from the funeral home actually the families that have called the funeral home itself waiting to be um, cremated. And when I say waiting to be cremated, we try to do everything as quickly as we possibly can. Sometimes we're waiting on paperwork, authorizations from families, doctors signing death certificates. Um, Medical staff is doing very well to keep up as much as they can, but of course there's some delay because of the number of calls. Also, we're doing most of our paperwork and our authorizations Uh, the electronic signature, because many of the families um, who have been exposed to family members with COVID are in isolation, or in certain cases, we've had situations where spouses are also in the hospital because they've been infected when the other spouse dies. That's heartbreaking. I I can't, the the stories about people, you know, you're not allowed, you can't be with your family member in the hospital the stories you're telling are heartbreaking of, you know, two people getting sick and one person still in the hospital and the other has died and you can't even go into the funeral home. No, they've actually, uh, I understand they've kept even family members separate in the hospital so that they can't see each other. Yeah. And, um, we have, um, I just actually shortly before you uh, contacted me, I had uh, a friend of mine on the phone, his mother passed away and was giving her some counseling and they allowed, um, she was in a nursing home. She had dementia. Um, however, uh, she contracted COVID in the nursing home, and um, they uh, allowed the family to do a Zoom session where they could talk to her, play some music for her, but unfortunately, no one could see her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whether 
her mother even was aware of what was going on for someone with dementia. You know, Zoom session, you can hear people talking, but you're probably trying to figure out where they're coming from. Uh, so it was very, very difficult. And it's, uh, you, you know me, I try to keep things light and cheerful as I can, but there's there's no light and cheerful side to this. Yeah. Uh, it's heartbreaking. I notice a difference in your voice. It's, um, I, I see funeral service individuals who are stressed out. I know the owner of our funeral home is doing everything he can, and um, you know he'll wake up in the, the middle of the night, uh, basically, you know, and not be able to get back to sleep. And we're trying to do everything we can to help these families, but it's hard to give closure to families when the, the, the tradition of funerals just can't be carried out. Are you scared? The strange thing is I'm not afraid of contracting it myself. And I will tell people that I wear a mask in public because I want to protect them because I don't know if I've been exposed. So my theory is I don't want to give it to anyone else. But it's just um, I'm afraid for other people. I just uh, feel like it's um, such a scary time for everyone. And I think that it was a reality check because so many people were going about saying, oh, it's nothing. You know, it's it's the government's making this up. It's like, well, yeah, maybe some of the deaths are being counted as COVID deaths that aren't necessarily truly certified COVID deaths. But there are so many that are tested. And um, friends that we have that have survived, that have recuperated from what they tell us is a very painful um, virus. But uh, we're losing a lot of people who are frail and unable to recuperate from it. Is your staff frightened? You know, that's the funny thing. We have tremendous staff. Our staff is taking this um, very well. I mean, everyone's using as much protection as possible. Um, we fortunately, I have an employer who is his first concern is his staff and the families that he serves above himself. And I was very impressed with that. And we've had several meetings. And you know, yesterday morning he said once again, "Do not relax our standards." You know, don't get comfortable just because, you know, if things start to slow down or you're becoming accustomed to this, do not. You know, we're instructed every day to come in, wash our hands when we arrive in the building, wipe our desk areas down, um, you know, clean our phones before we start. And then at the end of the day, we do the same thing again. You know, we go over light switches. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're fortunate that, um, you know, we've, we have protective equipment. He went out of his way and um, ordered everything he possibly could get his hands on, which was very difficult. <laughs> the funeral industry is not a top priority. Uh, most of the equipment went to the uh, medical industry. But you're handling bodies, right? You personally yes. are. Yes. And like I said, we have all the protective equipment we need, the N95 masks, smocks, gloves. They may not be the gloves that I prefer, but we ordered whatever we could get. Have you had any staff um, kind of bow out? and say that they, for whatever reason, they just can't handle this? I, um, not in our personal staff. I am filling in as a hairdresser for another funeral home uh, whose hairdresser asked to, to please not you know, take care of any COVID um, clients. So they asked me if I would come in and, and do the hair for them, and I have been doing that. How, how does your training prepare you for this, or does your training prepare you for something like this? It's sort of, um, how can I say it? I mean, we were trained in, in college. We had to do the full 
you know, hazmat suit. We had to be able to uh, embalm and prepare in our lab while wearing the full hazmat suit. But um, it doesn't really prepare you for the actuality of it. I mean, spending more than an hour in an N95 mask, you know, I have to kind of stop and go out and get some fresh air. It's, um, you know, you you really feel sort of uh, like your breathing is hampered a little bit. And, uh, you know, of course, you, you once you stop, you have to basically take off all your equipment and start all over again afterwards. So, you know, are we were we really prepared for this? It, it's hard to say. Um, I don't think anyone expected, although we have, you know, you have an occasional case uh, where you are dealing with a contagious disease, but for the most part, um, you know, this isn't a daily thing for us. And, uh, you know, we, we've gone through, we go through a ton of uh, bleach, cleaning surfaces, um, and disinfectants. Uh, I run, you know, the sheets, if, if they come in any type of contact with someone, I run the sheets and things in the washer and bleach and, um, you know, try to be as safe as we can. But, I mean, it's a new experience, I think, even for the, the most seasoned veteran in our business. Well, I'm thinking of you and what you're doing, and I think of the tediousness of what everybody's feeling just on a daily basis of disinfecting things and wearing masks. And it sounds to me, you know, with what you're doing, it's that times a thousand or maybe even more. Yeah, it's really um, I just had a little issue over personal effects with someone. Someone wanted something back. And I, I, I my issue with giving something back to someone is. You know, if it's come in contact with the person, granted it's their loved one, but, you know, seriously, you have to think about when you receive that item, was it in the hospital? Did it sit on a table where someone else may have had the COVID virus? Could it have picked up something in the environment that it was in? So really, if I, if I can't wash it and disinfect it, I really am hesitant about, you know, being able to hand something back to someone safely and say, it's okay. You know, we've expressed that funeral homes, although most people don't think of us as, you know, emergency personnel, we are. And our, you know, we're the line of defense to the public. Um, if they had had funeral directors at the time, the bubonic plague may not have spread as rapidly as it did. Um, you know, our, our job is to provide, you know, health and sanitation at a point when someone passes away. And in the midst of talking about all this, I'm going to express, too, that you know, we don't lose the, the, the fact that these are people's loved ones. Um, you know, I, I walked into the room the one day and I was surrounded by people waiting to be cremated. And I looked at all the names and I stopped and I said, this is someone's grandfather. This is someone's father, someone's brother, someone's friend. And right now, I think when we look at the statistics that are coming out, you know, on almost a daily basis of the deaths, it's like we're looking at numbers, but each one of those numbers represents one of these people. And granted, you know, maybe grandma's in a nursing home and she's 95 years old and she dies from COVID. It's like, but, you know, grandma may have had till 99, you know, it, it's hard to say, but it's like, it's still taking someone's life. And I know when we spoke earlier about the opioid crisis, you mentioned how it changed the way you were dealing with families. And, and not only did it change the, the people who were coming through your doors, the families coming through your doors, you were dealing with people who had died suddenly 
of, you know, a horrible disease. And, you know, once again, you are dealing with masses, a mass number of people dying from a horrible disease. Yes, it's, um, I guess the, the part that adds to this um, is the fact that people aren't allowed or don't even feel comfortable with being able to memorialize their family member the way they should. Like, you know, someone just said to me, I wish I could hug him. Mm. But out of fear, they, they, they couldn't hug their own family member. And um, I think I told you when I talked to you the other day that, you know, at one point we were under a uh, order from the governor that there were to be no open caskets. And to accommodate a family, you know, we literally cut a hole in the top of a wooden casket and bought a piece of plexiglass and put it in so the family could at least see the person's face. Give them some type of closure. And I think that's, you know, down the line, the trickle-down effect is there's going to be a lot of unresolved grief because of this. And, you know, you see the posts on Facebook every day about people who feel like they're isolated and they can't get out and they can't take this, you know, being kept in the house every day. But there's so much more to it. Um, you know, if if it doesn't touch your family, then be thankful and embrace the isolation that everyone stayed safe. Unfortunately, it's affecting so many people in so many different ways. Has it affected you personally? Um, it has. I mean, I haven't seen my granddaughter in uh, several months. And, you know, we made a decision early on. I said to my daughter, you know, if you want, we will move in with you. So that when daycare, you know, shuts down and all, uh, that, you know, we'll be there to uh, help you out. And she said, no, no, everything's fine. You know, we're okay. And then when they finally did shut the daycare down and my daughter was told she, you know, would work from home, um, it was at a point where I had to make the decision and I felt it was too late at that point. I was dealing with, you know, cases of COVID and didn't want to chance the fact of, you know, contaminating households. So um, we haven't seen our, our daughter or granddaughter uh, since it's really, you know, sort of gone into full-blown effect. It's, um, you know, the, the emotional toll on the funeral directors is definitely there. Yeah. Um, you're looking at people who are stressed out. They're upset because, you know, families are coming to them. They can't provide the services that they, they normally would. Um, you know, our, our funerals are limited to 10 people. Uh, present, including uh, the staff of the funeral home. And I was helping at another funeral home one day. I really felt bad. There were people waiting in cars just to ride to the cemetery because they couldn't come into the funeral home. And I said to the funeral director, I'm going to go out. You don't really need me. I'm going to go out. I'm going to sit in the hearse so that, you know, you can have one more family member here. I won't participate in the activities inside the funeral home or at the graveside. I said, you know, you'll you'll be okay, but this way one more family member can come in versus a member of the staff. And, you know, it's heartbreaking to see someone sitting in their car that can't even go in to see their loved one. And it's also, it's serious. I mean, I, <laughs> I've had a funeral home that I'm affiliated with that someone called the police because they saw cars in the parking lot and said they were having a gathering. And... Uh, you know, it's uh, it's not a joke. It's it's a very serious situation. 
you know, I'm thinking your job about your job and, and how you described it before. It's a very, um, it's very personal. You know, you see it as a very kind of intimate in that you are, you are helping the family. You personally greet them when they come in and with what you've just described, limiting the number of people in and the social distancing, I would think just those physical aspects make it very hard for you to provide the type of service that you are accustomed to providing and that you you pride yourself in providing. Yes, I, I feel very cold. And when I say that, I mean, you know, I'm First of all, I'm a hugger. You know, it's like someone comes in and if you feel that, that, you know, you're comfortable with them and they're comfortable with it, I'll give them a hug. It's like, and I've literally said to people, you know, air hug and sort of put my hands up in the air. But it's like, I feel like like I'm being very cold, like I'm not able to offer the services that I should be offering and that um, I can't give them basically what they need. How are you holding up? How are you coping with the emotional stress of this? Uh, so far, I think I'm in the adrenaline stage <laughs> um, where I'm just sort of, uh, you know, running because things need to be done. I guess, you know, every once in a while, like my wife, you know, will text me or something and I'll be at work and I'll say, I'm you know, having, a, having a rough day. It's like just trying to get through this. And uh, sometimes it does. It, it just sort of all overwhelms you. That, uh, you know, we're in the midst of this. And my grandmother survived the flu epidemic in 1918. She was seven years old, but she lost two siblings, two older siblings. So out of 10 children, eight survived. And, you know, you say, well, it's pretty good odds, you know, eight out of 10, but it really isn't. You lost two children. You know, my, my grandmother lost a brother and sister. And, you know, you look at it now and I think, well, thank goodness, you know, technology back then. They didn't have ventilators. They didn't have anything to basically uh, fight the, the, the epidemic at the time. But, you know, but we're still looking at sort of the same crisis now. Well, society has changed dramatically. We, we have the medicines, we have the disinfectants, we have more knowledge, but we have more people and we come into very close contact with each other. I think, you know, the, our, our, the culture is just different. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. You know, I, I come home from work every day and I'm home. You know, we've we've cooked more meals than I think we have in the last three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't realize how much I, I miss restaurants. But, um, you know, and it's just it's um, my wife and I have started watching DVDs that we had uh, because, you know, what do you do? And sometimes, you know, normally we would run out and oh, let's go to the store tonight or let's do this or you know, let's run to the bookstore and get a cup of coffee. Well, you're sort of forced back into your sort of an old, you know, style living of um, spending every night at home again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's definitely I'm wondering how how this is going to affect things in general. I mean, from this point out, when the pandemic is lifted, will we go back to a normal lifestyle or will this be, you know, sort of the norm for quite a while? Yeah, I'm not sure you're going to be able to hug the people who come into your home for quite some time, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of changed everything, and I think people are going to be more conscious. And I was thinking the other day, uh, going into the supermarket, and there's a young lady there, and she sprays the carts all down, and she wipes the carts down. I'm thinking, this should probably be a normal procedure, you know, f- forever. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, they, they disinfect the carts. And I think what, do you even think ahead? Are you, I mean, I feel like you're in, you're in, in the middle of it right now. It's kind of like being in the middle of a, a battle in war, you know, are you just trying to survive the day? Do you even think about what tomorrow may bring by way of, you know, this isn't going to end anytime soon? I'm afraid that uh, following the pattern of, um, you know, watching the northern part of the state and New York, I, I think that we are probably just, I don't even know if we're quite in the middle of it yet in our region. Um, I think we still have a long way to go. And um, I think that hopefully by taking precautions, we're going to slow it down and not have the full effect that um, maybe some of the cities did. But, um, you know, that may just be wishful thinking. Um, So, you know, I still think we have a road ahead of us with this. And, you know, talking to some of the people that came down from the north, they were saying, you know, we were running about a week to two weeks behind them. And. Well, I'm I'm seeing that it it still seems to be continuing. Like we're we're we haven't quite caught up to them, thankfully. But like I said, I don't even know if we're quite in the middle of it yet. How much do you have left in your tank? How much longer do you think you can continue at this pace and keep doing this? That's a good question. I mean, I think we're handling things the best that we can, and um, people are accepting. You know, and and. In the past, when someone died and they were to be cremated, you, know, you were able to return their cremains within, you know, four days, maybe five at tops. Um, now, I generally tell people that, you know, you're looking at possibly up to a week. Um, and also the fact that um, ordering merchandise, you know, I went to order an urn yesterday. They're out of stock. You know, the companies that are supplying things are servicing the entire country. So some of these products, they're not stocked for a pandemic. Uh, Thankfully, I mean, people have issued, I've I've seen things on Facebook about caskets. Thankfully, caskets are still available and are are in supply. Uh, But some of the the individual products, such as urns and things like that, aren't available right now and are back-ordered up until July. Nick, when when you lock the door up at the end of the day and you head home, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? I'm just hoping to get, I guess, sort of how you said it, it's like the battle, like just sort of hoping to get through it. And at the end of the day, I have to be honest with you, and I, I, I think all my fellow funeral directors would share the same sentiment. That there's a sense of relief when the end of the day comes. For many of them, and, you know, I'm fortunate to be employed, but the um, owners of these businesses, you know, the going home to them is still answering the phone at night. And, you know, they don't have that sense of relief. It continues and their days run into the next day. So it's, it's a difficult battle. And um, I salute those people that um, own the funeral homes and are managing to keep these businesses going and the service people. Um, I heard one very disturbing thing yesterday and was very disappointed in one of our funeral service professionals that was charging more for COVID cases. Um, and that, to me, is just an unethical uh, issue. And his explanation to the family was that, well, you know, there's more required in the care. Well, we accept that as professionals. And 
um, you know, this is not a time to make money. This is a time to be there to help people. Well, Nick, we thank you. We thank you for the work you do. And thank you for joining us here on In-Depth. And please stay well. I will. You too. And I I very much appreciate you uh, and all that you do uh, to reach out to people and to keep them aware of what's going on and uh, realize that you guys are on the front line with this too. So um, I appreciate everything you're doing. That's very kind of you. Thank you, Nick. Take care of yourself. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic, or if you just want to know more than what you're hearing on the news right now, if you want to go a little deeper, if you want to know how this could change your life or your routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol McKenzie, and we'll have another episode out soon.